Today, the seventh Sunday of Easter, falls between Ascension Day, the 40th day of Easter, and the day of Pentecost, the 50th day. Last Thursday, Ascension Day, we marked the bodily ascent of Jesus into heaven. In our worship today, therefore, we consider the consequences and promises of that event for us. In the collect for today, we prayed that God might send us the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before. In the reading from John's Gospel, we heard Jesus' prayer that we might join him. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. And in the passage from the Revelation to John, which Jeff has just read, we heard the conclusion of his apocalyptic vision and his plea that it happens soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. These final verses of the book of Revelation capture the breadth of theological perspective regarding the focus of apocalyptic literature. On the one hand, we have in verse 12 this warning. See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. In fact, what the Sunday lectionary provides in these verses is a somewhat sanitized selection. Verses 15, 18, and 19 have been omitted, and they read like this. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and adult uh, murderers and uh, idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. It makes me think that, the, that those who constructed the Revised Common Lectionary and left those out were real thrill seekers. It's a pretty clear description of who in the next life will be in and who will be out. On the other hand, we also have the comforting and inclusive welcome of verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let everyone who hears say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. These remind me of Verna Dozier, the late Christian educator and lay theologian of our church, who is reported to have said, everyone is going to be in heaven. And for those who don't like that, it will be hell. <laughs> Scripture and tradition both point with clarity towards an eschatological triumph of good over evil, when the reign of God will prevail and bring justice to both the living and the dead. 
The question I wrestle with, however, is this. Is this apocalyptic literature about the sweet by and by and just rewards in the next life for the righteous? Or is it a realistic promise that our actions today can provide heaven on earth for everyone? In other words, is this about bringing us to heaven or about us bringing heaven to earth? Most likely it's about both. Of course, any talk of the afterlife is ultimately conjecture. For me, it falls in that category captured in Isaiah 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. To be frank, I've always felt that God keeps me on a need-to-know basis, and evidently there's not much I need to know about the details of what happens after this life. There's no question that the promise of salvific justice has brought strength and comfort to generations of the oppressed. And for the privileged, if the desire to get to heaven after this life leads one to more heavenly behavior in this life, that's a good thing, albeit somewhat self-serving. Predicated as it is, however, on a belief that some will get in and some will not, it leaves the believer vulnerable to self-righteousness and judging in which direction others may be headed. My prayers, experiences, and interactions with others, on the other hand, lead me regularly to imagine that there is much about this life and the responsibility to be a vehicle of grace that God does want me to know. When we understand that apocalyptic literature is not simply about afterlife real estate and fire insurance, but about God's reign of love and justice and peace and equality and a common good being intended for this life and available to all, then we feel hope and possibility, which lead to the responsibility to act. When we surrender to the mystery that God transcends time, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Then the divine imperative is about now, about this life, and about giving our all for God's purposes today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This is about the consequences for us of Jesus' ascension to heaven, not later, but now, not in the next life, but in this life. And it is about more than how we feel. It is about what we do. Not sometime, but today. Shortly, we will join with the candidates for confirmation and reception and renew our baptismal covenant, whose questions begin with what we believe, but move quickly to how we will act. They are about our action now. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? 
Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? These questions and our response affirming that with God's help we will act bring us to the present, to today, to Buffalo, to Laguna Woods, to Uvalde, to Ukraine, to Afghanistan, to Somalia, to our own country and state and city. They lead not simply to how we feel about this reality, horror, compassion, sadness, shame, outrage, despair, but to what we will do about it, speak out, communicate with elected leaders and legislators, engage one another in civil discourse about difficult topics, vote, organize, roll up our sleeves, and not just demand change, but change ourselves. To paraphrase Mahatma Gandhi, we must be the change that God wants to see in the world. Heaven will come to earth and earth to heaven as it did in the incarnation of Jesus if we incarnate heaven ourselves, if we bring it to life in our own lives. That is what St. Paul meant when he so boldly called the church the body of Christ. We put flesh on the spirit of the risen Jesus, our own flesh. God's kingdom will come today in this life if we are willing to bring it on. Indeed, such divine change will only come in this physical world with human agency. It is dependent upon us. And the ascension of Jesus is affirmation that this mortal life is intrinsically united with the kingdom of God and that heaven is not just a dream for tomorrow, but a reality for today. I had the privilege this week of spending time with today's candidates for confirmation and reception on two occasions. To a person, young and old alike, they spoke with gratitude of the welcome and support and inclusive companionship that they treasure at St. Paul's Church. I know about this, as my family and I have treasured the same for now more than 18 years. And I also know that God has given us these gifts to strengthen us and encourage us to be the body of Christ in ways that will change us and change the world that God has given us to heal. And so we pray. O oh God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before 
that we might incarnate it on earth as it is in heaven, today and forever. Amen.